Hello, you're listening to the Consequential Podcast. I'm Dave Convery. Sticking his tongue out of me in the corner is... Hello. Roger Hart. And... Lucy. Not doing anything particularly untoward. Nope, just sitting here, doing my thing. Doing your thing. What have you been reading, Lucy? I have been reading Sex Criminals. I started reading From Hell, because it's on topic with the podcast and I happen to have it on Comixology. I did not get through it. No, it's a massive, of, weighty tome. Yeah, it's like I got about 200 pages in out of about 560 total. It's dense. It is. It's, it's, it's visually dense. It's pages dense. It's dense in terms of narrative and writing. It's, it's dense. There's a book about psychogeography and Jack the Ripper that took 12 years to write. I yeah. Think it, yeah, it's, it's going to take me more than like two hours on a Saturday to read, isn't it? Really about psychogeography? Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, it really, really is. But it isn't bollocks. No, it's not. I mean, psychogeography isn't inherently bollocks. It's just quite done badly a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I se- also caught up with Family Man. Okay, so sex criminals. You're up to date. I'm up to date. It's good, isn't it? It is good. It was this. So this one felt sad. Sad. A little more disjointed than the previous ones. It was very much a. If it, it would have been easier to read if it had been a trade and there hadn't been like three weeks since I read the last one kind of thing. I probably should have given myself a refresh. The others have been, I think, more strongly thematic. This one seems to be getting into the meat of the story and yes. figuring out why there are weird sex time cops. Which is good, because stuff's happening. But it was also confusing because I'm an idiot. So is it basically Tube for fucking? For, for, for those who, who don't know, Chew is a comic about people who have special powers when they eat things. Yes, yes, it is. That. Um, it's a little bit less gross-out humour, thankfully. Um, Given the thematic matter, I'm somewhat glad. Do you reckon we could get that as a pull quote on the cover of the trade? I hope so. Yeah, we should try. I hope so. They're both Image Comics. Uh, Image, get in touch. And the guys who make it aren't good dudes. No, <laughs> I think they might no. be the best dudes. I've no. had a pull quote on one image book, so let's just let's keep this fucking rolling. You're on the file. Let's, yeah, I'm on that. And, the, and that, that guy complained to the spectator about you. Yes, yeah, yes. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. So very mixed reactions from the mainstream from, press. Yeah, from the mainstream press to me. Yeah. In general, yeah, most as a concept and human. Generally yes. speaking, people don't like you. No. The spectator no. went into much more detail than the pull quote. Yeah. Yeah. To the, to the, the spectator, it's kind of like... It's, it's very much like I'm Spider-Man and they're the Daily Bugle. Mm-hmm. Um, this has gone horribly wrong. The Daily Bugle. How's Family Man? Family Man's good. Um, we talked about it way, way, way back yeah. in the mists of time in the first Remind podcast. Remind me what it is. So Family Man is a webcomic by Dylan McConus, oh, who yes. is the Bite Me lady, mm. um, and who's awesome. Um... And it's about Germans in the 18th century in a university and werewolves. Mm, yes. So yes, it's, yes. It's, it's kind of German university culture and study and theology and werewolves. Yeah, I think I've, I keep reading the first like two or three because people keep sending me links to them saying they're amazing. Mm. And for some reason, I'm not sure why. I seem to never get beyond that. It's interesting. So I found... I found it much more compelling when I started reading it and then I kind of stopped reading it because it updates once a week and that's too mm. slow for me to follow and read it in chunks. And I did the thing I did with Sex Criminals because I'm an idiot and I forgot the story in between and never really got the kind of mm. hooks back in me. But So it, it for me, it deserves a reread in mm. its entirety, but I like where it is at the moment. There was a bit too much wolf stuff previously and they've gone back to humans mm. and I generally prefer humans to non-humans. I mean, the 18th century was a, was a good time for German academia as well. Mm. So, 
There's a lot going on. A lot so of that's fertile a rich, meat there. Yeah. For the werewolves also, I would assume. Yes, I would imagine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's very enjoyable. The, the plot strands are beginning to come together. It, it's one of those comics where it took... There's a lot of setup, a lot of background, and it was all good and all well-drawn, all well-written and all compelling enough that it worked, but sort of the plot is happening now. Okay. The bad thing is that this is what, like... I've been reading this since probably 2007, 2008, and it's kind of taken a, a good six years for the plot to kind of get going, and that's... And I understand, you know, work rates and... And they had wolf shit to do. And they had wolf shit to do. Yeah. And, you know, Dylan McCone has been the working on chaser. other things. No. 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 Just, no. just do we, we learnt our lesson about speaking German on the podcast last week when the only link anyone clicked on was the Arsch Modern. Yes. Whoever clicked on that, you are just wrong. I told you not to. You're a sweetie pervert. Roger, what have you been reading? Um, I have been reading um, Young Avengers, uh, Uzumaki, um, Lock and Key, Witch Doctor, and a little bit of kind of leafing through old stuff. You've been doing your homework, basically. Uh, more or less, more or less, yeah. More so than I have. So Young Avengers, you're not, you're not up to the end of it yet. No, um, because I'm staying off the smack and kind of like, you know, ignoring singles, which is, Young Avengers is the only thing that's really bothering me with that, because I do want to, yeah. Yeah. But, and knowing that it's just finished and... And everyone you know is reading it as singles. Yeah, it's just a little bit irritating. Also, the other thing... The, other the end is a, bit of a, is a bit of a gut punch. Yeah. It really is. Like, even as a... Just growling... Growling, growling Yeah, growling an unpleasant 32-year-old man. It is... It is difficult. I'm informed that there are feels. Yes. Tumblr is right. When is Tumblr not right? Probably the rest of the time. Yeah, Muppetswithpeopleeyes.tumblr.com that, That's not right. No, that's actually quite bad. Although heavy metal albums with heavy metal album covers with googly eyes dot excellent. See also Delightful. Cliff Richard dying inside. Just calendar pictures, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I used to keep a single surf tumbler that was just single surf tumblers. Because meta. Yeah. Why do you not anymore, Mister Hart? Laziness. The best reason for creation no. failures. <laughs> <laughs> best and only. Let's be honest. Um, Young Avengers is fucking smashing um, and the second volume is it's it's not weaker than the first it feels a little less coherent as a single book it's a middle act yeah but it, it's still very strong it's uh, it's got a lot more of those it seems like in most issues uh, McKelvey just goes to fucking town on at least one double page spread or maybe a genuinely beautiful single page the density of those is higher um, I yeah I noticed that when rereading it there is at least one piece of I'm not going to say over designed but genuinely outlandish and well thought out piece mm. of design is that the oh, head so or, or the cascading shattering panels yeah there's the, there's those there's the you know there's the, the sort of pictogram of Novar doing his shit and then there's mm. um there's a whole bunch of things. There's some stuff towards the end which I can't talk about because if I'm ruining it for you, I'm ruining it for everyone. But mm. there's always something there. What does bug me about the um, the second trade? I really hope there's going to be a um, a big collected compendium coming. Is that the print quality has gone through the floor? So the second trade basically feels like 
they got an intern to glue together some single issues. It's it's flimsy. It is not Marvel have not done good on publishing quality. It doesn't affect the writing. It doesn't affect the reading experience. But I am fairly sure this is going to fall apart sometime next week. So this is a this is a slightly odd digression. But the one you've got is one of the Marvel prints, and in the UK we get. Marvel editions, and then we get Titan editions a couple of weeks later, which are the ones with the black spines. I ah, prefer so Marvel ones, generally. Right, so I have the Titan Volume 1, I have the Marvel in Volume 2, hence the chunky spine design. Um, so what you're saying is that we have to fight to the death. We always knew this would happen. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. there was that prophecy, you remember. Yes, yes. Dead by each other's hands. Mm. That's why I'm wearing headphones around my neck, so you can't throttle me that easily. He mm. could still stab you in the front bit where the headphones ain't. Yeah. With a sharp thing. It's it's a dense piece of uh, of rubbery esophagus material there, but I reckon he could chew through it. He could slip a knife it's into your jugular from there. Mm. I don't think he's got a knife. He might do. Oh, he's got, a, he's got no, a knife. No, no, yeah. 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 It's tucked into your boot. Still, Young Avengers is, yeah. is good, isn't it? So, um, the other thing is my um, my partner has been was, was, was reading it over the weekend, and I know it's supposed to be a, a Jump On Point series, but he, he's not massively familiar with comics. And I want you to say Marvel now, and I want you to really pronounce the exclamation mark. How about Marvel no? Zing! That's, 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 that's oh my god. That's a sick burn right there. It was a sick burn. It's so sick he did a little sassy neck move. I did, because yeah. I am one of those homosexuals. Yeah, no, that's quite impressive for a man of your age. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking parasite. Um, so, yeah, I, I was genuinely impressed by how much of a valid jump one point it actually was. So, I, I mean, I got asked a lot of questions about backstory that it was very hard to answer remotely coherently because so much of it is bollocks. But they've done, what, well, Dylan's done a great job of kind of making it not really matter. You don't even really need to know that much about the Lear stuff. I think I quite like the, um, the, the notion of you saying, come here, young man. Let me tell you about the Kree Skull Scroll War. <laughs> yes. It was a time of intergalactic peril. Do that next time, please. Did, do that. Did next time. pretty much have to, you know, sit down and have the talk about the Kree Scroll War and Marvel continuity and why it's all basically bollocks, but entertaining bollocks. Yeah, the, I mean, the only thing that really detracted from is the kind of joke, if it is a joke, of deadpanning the fact that America Chavez is new. I don't think they're. Um, I don't think it is a joke. Um, I think it's meant to be a mystery more than mm. anything. Which which it functions just um, as well as. I mean, the only joke is that she's called Miss America, mm. um, and it's a, it's the Young Avengers. They have analogs to older characters, yeah. so she's the Captain America analog, mm. except she's an angry brat with a superiority mm. complex who can kick her way through time and space. And oh gosh, those panels are a delight. So I the. The, the one where she kind of kicks her way through the floor of reality and it, it returns to that trope of the panel structure being reality of, of comics and I, they pick this up later when Mother says can't live on Meta alone and eats the speech bubble yes um, it's the narration is it at all like that episode of TNG where Riker is stuck within a play and keeps literally smashing the screen reasonably yes good god I remember a couple is of months ago is it better executed massively I remember saying that because you, you generally get get your heckles up at uh, interdimensional stuff because it can be quite a bit of a it can trope and it's just a, it's so often like, done poorly to go off to, to go off comics for a second Bioshock Infinite is a good example of it done extremely badly um, it just wasn't necessarily well thought out yeah 
Um, whereas I said this you're going to like because basically mm. it's design led and it's done in a it's done in a fashion that is consistently about comics and mm. keeps being brought back to the way that comics are yes. constructed in a lot of different ways which mm. I really enjoyed and I kind of um, there are a few things that I'm sort of starting to pick up on that are obvious, that may or may not be important later that they're seeding really quite nicely and then sometimes they kind of come out and play metafictional games by explaining them. So when Loki talks about what it might mean for the Patriot to lead them through the various dimensions, it's as though he's trying to say it's easy to go bad. He says a few panels before they do something that they don't call attention to that functions that function similarly. And there's the recurring stars motif, and that's just delightful and is obviously going somewhere. And there are a few yes. other bits and pieces. The Kate stuff was a little bit on... Well, it's not on the nose because Mother just comes out and says it, but I like the way they sneak it in through the... Uh, what the fact that she's getting older, getting to getting older, yeah, mm. um, and then they kind of quietly dismiss it as though that was the message all along. Mm. Plus, um, Norvar in hot pants. Yes, just, was just, really, just hot pants. There was a really good article um, which I will uh, I will link to in the show notes, which was about how. Novar is a very good example of having characters that are uh, sexy but not inherently sexualized. Yes. So I, I mean, I, I would argue that sort of um, Billy and Teddy go to a similar place, although they're a bit less. They're a bit cutesy. Yeah. Also, Young Avengers is kind of like a catalogue of my failed haircuts. Well, I mean. So half the people that Jamie McKelvey draws just look like Tegan and Sarah, and a lot of the time, so do you. Mm. Um, it's fair. It, it's Roger a, it's Hart, a... Canada's finest lesbian twins. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that badge. <laughs> he does. They gave it to him the last time he left. Yeah. Mounties came to the airport. It was touching. Mm. There was a wreath. There was touching. To quite a lot. Always gets his man. Especially the moose that they ride. I know nothing about Canada. Canada's lovely. So, Mr. Convery, let, let us briefly pretend that we care what you've been reading. Uh, we always we always do this. We always downplay my contributions. Well, because you, you spent like a hundred or so hours reading obscure nonsense and early Marvel trying to make us look bad. It's true, and you also give a shit. If I, if, if I really wanted to make you look bad, I'm the person who edits this. I could make you look a lot worse than I do. Oh, you, you could make us look a lot better. Could, I mean, you could have included the horrifying bum-shaving excerpt in that podcast that time. And I accidentally did once until uh, it, a, it was live on the site for about an hour. It wasn't even that long. It wasn't. It was, there was a there was a very very quick. I think one of my friends might have actually downloaded that version because he sent some, sent me some very amused text messages. Can you track downloads over time yeah. to that level? So do you know who how many people got it while the bum? I don't stuff think was I've got around. it to the hour. No. Probably for the best. Probably for the best. Anyhow, what have you been reading? Anyway, I've been I've been reading uh, the Hero uh, by David Rubin, which uh, is a sci-fi take on the Twelve Tasks of Hercules. Um, of course, it is. But it's not particularly uh, it's not particularly sci-fi. The only so basically, Marvel used to do sci-fi and myth mashed together in in quite a good way. It was kind of Jack Kirby's thing. Mm. Um, uh, and, and basically the story starts with the author as a child reading Jack Kirby comics and going this is fucking amazing I wonder if I could do that when I grow up and then the story begins 
Um, so it's basically Hercules or Heracles, depending on your preferred pronunciation. I'm going with Hercules because it's more common in the English vernacular. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eurystheus um, being born out of giant sci-fi pods at the same time, despite being fated to vie for championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of rambles on into them growing up and then sort of the first part, so, because it's the first volume of two, um, the, the, the first uh, part of the Twelve Tasks of Hercules. And it's broadly a straight retelling from then on with little bits of sci-fi. Um, How did that make you feel? Pretty, pretty good. Mm. Uh, I like the Jack Kirby Marvel version of mythology, which is why I read so much Paul Pope, probably. Um, and yeah, so what I read so far, really, really enjoyed. Um, I've only got the first volume because they're ridiculously expensive, but they are beautiful, beautiful books. He's an incredibly good artist. Um, and there's more coming out. Uh, I think it's coming out in English later this year, and I can't remember who's who's printing it, but uh, it's definitely something that people should pick up because it's great. If wow. you like Battling Boy or anything that Paul Pope's done, it's very much in the same vein as Battling Boy. Um, it's a bit less kiddy, um, but it's still very, very light and, and, and fun and beautifully drawn. My old Latin teacher used to maintain that uh, the, uh, the Hercules story was basically an, uh, a sort of allegorical, historical perpetuation of, um, of a series of instructions for civil engineering and combating malaria. Well, in the same way there's a theory that um, uh, dietary restrictions from biblical times were basically just societal order writ large because you, you know, can't eat that shit you'll get really sick yeah he you basically live, you live in the desert you, you, you don't want to eat the seafood <laughs> don't eat yeah don't eat the don't eat the desert seafood don't eat pork because we haven't figured out how to cure it yet mm-hmm. um and for the love of god don't get sand stuck in your foreskin just get rid of that whole business mm-hmm. um yeah pretty much he, he, he maintained that most of it was basically um could be pared down to drainage engineering it made the whole thing a lot less romantic, and when you're trying to get 13-year-olds to take an interest in learning Latin, you really don't want I've, to take the I've fun got, out. I've got it's some, not question, I've got some questions there. Um, clearing the stables. I can just about see how that Redirect a river. I mean, that's what actually happens. Right, yes. Okay, the golden apples. Um, I honestly can't remember. I don't think he had an answer for that one, but apparently the Hydra was all about kind of swamps and the many-headed thing, allegorical for mosquitoes, and he did something about drainage to go and solve the problem with them. Could I bring up the possibility that we somewhat digressed? Yes. Can I say possibility again and have you edit it in? Yeah, sure. Cool, possibility. Can I, um, can I raise the, the notion that you were taught Latin by a mad old fucker? <laughs> yes. Is this the one who's getting his junk out on trains, or is that someone no, else? No, 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 he taught French. Me. He oh, taught sorry. Me French. Wrong language. You people are degenerates. I can't believe you took my kid's story about Hercules and... and Did we just slander somebody? Into... Or is it true? Is it not slander if it's which, true? Which bit? The French teacher. The, the, that's true. Okay. And it's a matter. It's a matter of public record. Yeah. yeah. He was a lovely guy. I'm sure. As long as you weren't <laughs> on the train. Never saw it. No. Quite All right. right. No. Avoid he pub- took the You bus. don't take public transport to this day. No, no, I take trains a lot. Oh, sister. I took a bus last week. Why? Well, that just raises a whole other series of issues. <laughs> so do you know what else I've been reading? No. You Why don't, don't you tell do you? us? Do, do tell us. I've been reading Judge Dredd's City of Courts, um, 
So a while ago, IDW licensed Judge Dredd um, from 2008. Okay. And they're sort of doing American format, like singles published mm. through published through Diamond and all the, or sold through Diamond and all the rest of it. Um, and one of those is um, City of Courts, which is set in... So Judge Dredd is set in Mega City One, which is basically 1970s New York, spread out the entire of the Eastern Seaboard. Yeah. So it's just... With radioactive mutants, well, more than in 1970s New York. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you've ever read any Alan Miller, you know there are a lot of radioactive mutants in, in New York. Um, but it's, it's, so this one is set in Mega City 2, which is Los Angeles spread out across the entirety of the Western Seaboard. Um, so it's very angry, very fascist Judge Dredd over in Los Angeles with basically the hippie version of post-apocalyptic society. Is it actually um, Judge Dredd, or is it the Judge Dredd kind of ecosystem, different judges? It's, uh, no, it's Judge Dredd. Um, it's, it's a judicial exchange program that's meant to root out um, some sort of conspiracy that's going on. A judicial there. exchange program. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is the corniest fucking premise. I'm Judge, so Judge sorry. Dredd is pretty fucking corny, but it's also very, very knowing. Does, um, does it have lots of kind of hideous sort of foreign European exchange student plot stuff? Not so far, but I can see it easily getting there. It's mostly taking the piss out of a stereotypical Hollywood um, and just this character being horrified at a far more liberal version of his society. Um, but it's written by Douglas Folk, who is oh. great and wrote Reading Comics, which is, is a that why he's good been book on comics. Reading about Judge Dredd a lot. Well, he's always read a shit ton of Judge Dredd, which is quite weird for an American of his generation. Um, but he Judge Dredd has so never well really been comics. popular outside of the UK before. Um, and it sort of started getting there recently, and they've been doing a big push into the US. Um, so he's written it, and it's been illustrated by a guy called uh, Ulysses uh, Farinas. Oh, yep, I think that's right, if my notes are right. Um, who is similar in style to Brown and Graham. Um, so his, it, but really densely packed with um, information, so much more like his multiple warhead stuff than something like Prophet, where he's a bit more spare with his line. Um, but it's it's got these giant splash float pages full of mm. really, really dense kind of cityscapes. Scratchy dense or No, very, very clean line work. Um, mm. uh, very bright, very colourful, very, very different from normal Judge Dredd. Right. So I really enjoyed it because I used to read tons of 2000 AD and I've been reading quite a lot more lately. Um, Is it accessible for people who aren't already familiar with Judge Dredd and his universe? If you know that a man... like if you, if you, I, I would think so, yeah. Because okay. basically, there's a man who's obviously a fascist and is basically Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. um, being dumped in an environment where everyone's trying to be nice to each other. You can kind of go from there. I would say it's broadly accessible. Would it be um, a useful starting point or would it be better to go back to the... That's a tricky one. I would say it is probably a useful starting point, and the IDW comics are meant to be sort of early days, not beholden to continuity, mm-hmm. um, because Judge Dredd exists in real time, and it's been going for 35 years now, nearly. Um, so the character is in his 70s, he's very angry and bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing's been progressing like that, so... Generally, because 2000 AD is fortnightly and tends to be sort of three or four pages at a time per story, 
they've got the hang of filling in the information that you need without it seeming like mm-hmm. in last week's episode. So they're sure. good at that shit. Um, they're good at people jumping on, but this is probably actually better than that. Okay. If you, I, this may not, this, this may, may be contentious, but if you want a quick, like temporarily quick primer mm-hmm. to the Judge Dredd stuff, you could do a lot worse than watch the recent movie. Okay. Yeah, it's... Um, it's legitimately good. It's a good movie. It uh, trims away a lot of the fat. So there's there's lots and lots of fun weirdness around the edges of Judge Dredd mm. because basically it's a bunch of slightly daft British comics writers doing a big satire of gung-ho American action films of the 80s and it all sort of born out of that cultural moment. Mm-hmm. Um passing through a lot of disgust with the 80s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's basically just... It's yeah. a lot of angry socialists writing a, a fascist character in a very winky sort of way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's explicit that he's not a hero. He's really an asshole most mm. of the time. Um, and, yeah, the, the film keeps that but loses the sort of gigantic fat people with belly wheels walking around like, and... Uh, loses all of the shit that they felt compelled to crab into the 90s movie because mm-hmm. that was the that was the world sure um, it's just stripped back to, back to basics pretty good yeah. the 90s movie is if you can imagine this basically a shit version of Fifth Element yeah there's lots of great production design in it not the judges themselves but there's some really good production design in there mm. But it's a fucking horrible movie. It's, it's miserable. It is miserable. I, I shall take it upon myself not to watch the bad one. It's on Netflix. <laughs> but the good one is as well. So. No, well, it's on the US Netflix. Yes, it's on Netflix. If you can somehow access that. I, I don't know how, but I will try. Okay. Um, there's one other thing that I've read that I want to talk about, which is um, Deadly Class uh, by Rick Remender, who has done a bunch of sci-fi stuff for Marvel lately, and it's... I've got no idea where this story's going. There's not enough story in the first issue to say categorically, oh, this is fascinating by it. But it's fucking beautiful. Um, it's an article called Wes Craig and a colorist called Lee Lowridge, and it's just phenomenal. The layouts are incredible. It's really, really hyperkinetic um, without sort of falling into that Western artist doing manga tropes that you get quite a lot. Um, I would say everyone should go and buy the first issue because it looks like it's going to be great and it's beautiful. So this week's topic is horror. Ah, the horror. You're selling it. Yeah. You're selling it. I I genuinely thought it would be me that blinged first on that one and and did that. Nope. It was me. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, let's swiftly step past the fact that you guys are dicks. Um, What is horror? Oh, fuck off. I'm not qualified for that one. Boys? No, no, we have exactly the same degree, and if you're not qualified, I'm not qualified. (laughs) So, this is something I was wrestling with as I was reading... um, So, I I, I listened to a bunch of recommendations and flicked through a bunch of stuff. And two of the things I read on recommendation were Witch Doctor and Lock and Key, which have a few bits and pieces in common, not masses, but... um, I found myself thinking... How porous is is horror, horror as a as a as a genre, and how much of a kind of 
what's the phrase, ontological necessity is, is fear. You've asked some pretty big questions there. And I didn't come up with answers because then I started reading Azumaki and got legitimately creeped out, which gave me some insight into how being creeped out worked, but didn't really help me with my semantics. So if I can venture an answer, I think horror is too broad um, to be a genre definition. Unfortunately, we've used it as one, so we're running with that. But so you have something like Uzumaki or um, Ring, which are, you know, they're explicitly designed to scare you. And then you have David Lynch films, for example, which are definitely not horror, but are really fucking scary. Well, you say that, but Mulholland Drive... So Mulholland Drive has um, a lot of the same weird kind of injection of the uncanny and unsettlement stuff that you get from at least my limited exposure to Japanese horror. But then again, you can shift that continuum and look at something like a Haruki Murakami novel, which does the same thing more gently just to inject a little bit of suspense or um, kind of, I guess, the magic reel, if they are that elements in Murakami. They're very, Um, very different because Murakami's musical references are at least seven years later than David Lynch's. Fair. But you, you see where I'm, where I'm going with yes. that, but there's, there's this kind of, yeah. when, when the vaguely disquieting plays with the uncanny, and particularly when it injects, injects the uncanny, particularly a very sort of definitionally original sense of the uncanny, the unhomely, into a sort of taut suburbia, then a T-A-U-T, um, then it's, it's, it's very easy to sort of creep out and intimidate, but you see that stretch out from things that self-define as horror and into kind of just being lilting, disquieting elements in general fiction. So in, in comics terms, I know we've spoken about it before, but probably the most successful injection of the uncanny that I've seen is Adam Teen, mm-hmm. um, which takes a genuinely banal situation um, I don't know, maybe you've got more of a thing for trains than I do, but it takes I, a bunch I, of people taking the last train home. Oh, sorry, yes, okay. The establishing situation is pretty banal. The, the environment is banal, yeah. Yeah, the having reluctantly gang-murdered and acquitted serial killer is less banal. Hannah Berry did ruin my ability to take trains at night when there's no one else in the carriage. Mm-hmm. So Adam, Adam Teen is basically... Um, it's a horror connecting four people in a train four or five Um, four I think people in a train carriage Um, and they're all taking the last train home gradually it comes to it it comes to reveal that they all had a connection they either stepped aside or willingly participated in uh, a man's death and there is an external force that may or may not be that man um, slowly intruding into the carriage and stepping away from criticism into just pure recommendation it is is the most successful comic I've seen for a sort of a Victorian sense of horror that very mm. very slow intrusion um, the sort of gradual building of the presence of the uncanny in someone's life. And the utter aloneness of those characters in that moment as yeah. well. So the, the Japanese horror comics and sort of short stories or sort of or, or longer story stuff that I'm familiar with plays with this stuff 
and I still think I mean I think Adam Dean is more successful at it than on aggregate Uzumaki or um, Ring um, there are short stories in, in Uzumaki that are um, kind of through their compression more successful at that kind of creeping injection of, of unsettlement but they tend but, to so Adam Dean never goes particularly far there's no gore no. it's just constant creeping threat whereas something like Uzumaki creeps into body horror yes. it creeps into gore yeah. quite quickly and there's something Hanaveri's captured really very well about that kind of I think she, she might mention it in, in an interview she did with I can't remember the website I'm, I'm sure I remember this in her words or at least something else I've read so far but um, the capturing of the idea of things seen out of the corner of the eye which mm. is quite hard to do on the printed page because you have more capacity to dwell over them but if you can sneak stuff in such that people don't necessarily dwell but do get that sort of... Oof. Yeah, mm. the s- playing with the gutters and playing with um, mm. slightly uh, slight glossiness in the print and mm. just the, there are things you can do in that medium that, that do work. Yeah. So there's, there's obviously this style and this approach. Um, yeah. And I, d- I don't... I don't know if, if uh, comics are inherently not as good at it, or is it? It's not frequently done well. Um, I've not seen as much of that as I have seen um, things that rely on sort of all-out visceral horror. Mm-hmm. Like the most successful horror comic is *The Walking Dead* yes. by some considerable margin. Um, and I stopped reading that a while ago because one, I think it's very well written. It sort of increasingly appears to be a soap opera with zombies in it. Well, also there's a gap between, and, and maybe this is a definitional gap, I don't know, again, not qualified, but there's, there, there manifestly is a gap between I don't want to look at that, brackets, you, or not, and I'm a little freaked out. Yeah, so I don't think I've ever been scared reading The Walking Dead. I think Adam Teen's probably the only time my heart rate has actually raised reading comics. Actually, no, that's not true. Bits of Swamp Thing have also done that. Um, although I was travelling backwards on a train at the time, so, you know, the odds were stacked against me. Um, so you've got that. You've got the uncanny. You've got quite gory stuff, like The Walking Dead, like Crossed. Um, those are probably a subset of themselves as well, how society reacts to... Uh, some sort of overwhelming horror. Both of them take the same sort of thing and are long-form journeys around sort of groups of survivors in a suddenly very oppressive world. Um, beyond that, I mean, there's there's still quite a lot of stuff, and you've read more of the Japanese stuff than I have, but what you also have are... I mean, there used to be a much, much bigger tradition of horror in comics than there is now, and it used to be quite crass stuff like so um, I was going to ask about this because there's appropriation they're setting other things within tropes yeah and at one end of that you've got things like was it Tomb of Dracula and, and all of the the really gaudy basically let's use a horror property as though it were a superhero franchise yes um, stuff. so yeah you've and got you've, that you've read the a lot of I have read a lot of that stuff um so, I mean, back in the 50s, you had loads and loads of horror comics because you had eerie, creepy, um, Tales from the Crypt and things like that. Most of them published by UC Comics, which were... They're still great to this day, 
in a slightly kitschy sort of way. The mm-hmm. illustration certainly mm-hmm. stands up, the writing less so. And a lot of the time they are um, kind of slightly naff morality tales. There's normally a sting in the tail where someone will die in the way they tried to murder someone else or something mm-hmm. like that. Because EC does stand for educational comics and... Um, when they let us not fail to be educated. Yeah. No, no. When they stopped printing mostly Bible stories and went into horror, they still stayed educational. But then, when the Comics Code came in, um, horror kind of died as a genre because you just could not print it. Um, and so there was a while before it came back. And you basically, when it came back, it was this really sort of slightly daft, toned down version um, that Marvel started doing because. Every time there was an explosion of film types, Marvel would cash in. Mm. Um, so when Black Exploitation took off, they created Luke Cage. Um, Kung Fu films took off, they, they created Iron Fist. Um, and then when horror had a resurgence again, there was Tomb of Dracula, there was um, Werewolf by Night, uh, Tales of the Zombie, and, and all sorts of stuff like this, which is really, really gaudy, as you say. Still worth checking out, but very, very kitsch. But it's only been recently that, that people have been able to do proper horror again after the comics code mm. died. Um, well, yeah. Like... In America, anyway. Mm. So outside of America, you could obviously still do it, but mainstream comics, it kind of just disappeared. So then basically, in the 80s, people stopped caring about the comics code, and you had stuff like... Swamp Thing, which had started earlier on and had been a little bit less explicitly horror, that suddenly became very, very nasty and called back to a lot of the creepy stuff again. Also, I remember very vividly, which means that it might have been just some sort of childhood night terror, um, an X-Men comic from the 80s where Storm had to fight zombies and she was petrified and I read this over and over again because it was the only reading material that my friend had at his house and he was very insistently playing Sam Fox strip poker on his Amiga and I did not care for Sam Fox strip poker or Sam Fox's 16-bit pixelated tits so I was just reading the X-Men annual with this zombie comic in over and over again and it had a lasting effect I well well this um, explains things yeah (laughs) I I thought boarding school was bad. No, no. So that that that, that explains my uh, particular zombie-themed puritanism, um, and and your inexplicable association between. No, they got nothing. No, no, you really don't. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden in the eighties, it took off again. There were tons of horror, and Swamp Thing is is probably one of the best bits because when it was good, it was written by Alan Moore. Mm. Um, and everyone on Twitter when we talked about doing horror said, well. The recommendations that popped up again and again were Swamp Thing and then Clary, who just every time we said anything on Twitter kept yelling Cradle Grave, which I eventually looked up and is apparently a comic and it does sound quite interesting. It's a 2000 AD thing. Mm-hmm. But Swamp, I mean, Alan Moore's run on Swamp Thing, while it was, it was superhero or superhero adjacent comics becoming clever again, mm. was also really effective horror stuff. Mm. Um... And still a bit gross out, because it was the 80s and it was time of the return of the living dead and so on. Um, it might be apparent that I know horror mm-hmm. films considerably better than I know horror comics. But this, this is the thing, there are a lot so more of them. The, 
the sliding, there don't appear to be very, very many notches on the scale between body horror and cheaply gross out. No, so you've got, so Swamp Thing spawned Hellblazer, and Hellblazer runs the gamut from just flat out fucking horrible to much more subtle stuff. But body horror can be genuinely alarming. I mean, obviously there's, there's a certain amount of personal subjectivity of, you know, being scared is probably as subjective as making as be as as, as laughing. Um, sure. There's there's stuff that's just not going to unnerve you. Personally, at least I am not good with the medical stuff. But so so the sort of the slow creeping sense of bodily violation that you mm. get with the best low key body horror really fucking wigs me out. Um, and certain aspects of. So there's bits of that in Stitches, which I don't consider to be a horror comic, but there's no. sort of the violation of the person by medicine, mm. by parents, without yeah. any Stitches real is, autonomy. Stitches is something that I think is creeping into horror now. Mm. It's certainly a very, very tense book. Very oppressive. Um, and, yeah, you get... So it has it has a lot in common with horror, and I it's one of the books that really surprised me just how much I enjoyed it. Um, but it has uh, that sort of creeping and ever-present sense of violence. Mm. Um, it has considerable amounts of repression. And you are just better enough informed than the narrator to know what potential horror lies around the corner. Ah, now that, that's huge. Um, that almost vertiginous sense, sense that something might happen and it's almost tempting, you almost want it to, to take the suspense away. Yeah. D- does anyone ever get what I think of as knife vertigo? Knife vertigo. Okay, so... This like is... you could fall on... Your no, mouth. no, no, this is, this is a bit mad, but... This is part... the imp of the perverse thing. Kind of, yeah. Okay. It's like that sense of being, when you're on a precipice, part of the fear is that you just could. You just could. Standing in front of a tube train coming in. Yes. Yeah. And I, I do a lot of cooking... I'm very comfortable with blades. I keep my knives very sharp. And sometimes holding them, you just think, God, it would be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not in a self-harm, sort of massively destructive way, but kind of it would be easy to have an accident, it would be easy to, easy to slip. Or, and you just get this kind of... Sort of almost shiver. I think of it as knife vertigo. Mm-hmm. That, 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 it's saying in the reverse, God, it would be easy. Sure. And it's quite easy to visually capture or kind of narratively capture somewhere between God, it would be easy and it's creepingly inevitable. Mm-hmm. So in, um, in Uzumaki, there's a section where one of the character's mothers goes a bit mad and becomes fixated on spirals and must expunge anything with a spiral pattern from her life. Ends up in a mental hospital, goes to see a doctor. Behind him on the wall is a wall chart that shows the... Is it the cochlea, the spiral yeah. bone, yeah. bone in, in the ear? The snail. And the latin for yes. snail, which yes. I said as a seven-year-old and my parents thought I was deranged. <laughs> I just went around the house muttering, cochlea, latin for snail. Yeah. This actually happened. Excellent. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and the most tense moment of that comic isn't the horrible thing that comes. It, it's her son looking at it, looking at it, willing her not to see it, knowing that if she does... She's going to lose her shit. Yeah. And then it progresses as she gradually finds it out. And in the final frame, she's holding a pair of scissors up to her, her ear, basically about to stab her ears out. And you don't see it. It doesn't do the gross out. It takes you right up to the edge. Arguably holding the scissors up to the ear is, is over the edge. But that, that vertiginous kind of, holy fuck, I didn't need that. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. 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 Stitches is full of that. It really is. Because there's a... So the, 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 the knowledge that you have that the characters don't is um, a knowledge of science and radiation that you have from primary school these days that no one had mm. in the 1950s. Mm. 
Um, Again, similarities to comedy. I mean, farce is predicated on ironic advantage. So we've sort of we've run from the the pure gross out, which I think interests me less, mm. unless it's done particularly well. So the first volume of Crossed, I think, is very good because there's a lot of act, actually strong character work in it, and there's dumb gross stuff because it's Garth Ennis and he's always going to do some dumb gross stuff um, but then you have sort of the stuff so in, in horror films you've got Alfred Hitchcock and you've got Stuart Gordon so you've got stuff that's incredibly slow burn human led um, I mean no one's going to say that Psycho is not pure horror but at a remove, it's about a guy in a dress stabbing people. Mm. Um, whereas, you know... Um, spoilers. Yes, uh, spoilers for the, what, now 52, 53-year-old film. Um, I'm, not, I'm not going there. But then you've got something like Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon does the reanimator films, and while he is a man who knows... Lovecraft and knows sort of the early 20th century tradition of horror very well. He's also that guy that made the film where the decapitated head goes down on someone. That's and the thing. That's, that's the thing, oh yeah. My God. yeah. To be fair, Russell T. Davis kind of did that as well. That doesn't make it better. Well, no, but... Oh, well, the paving slab. Yeah, being knocked oh, the, off by the, paving the, slab. The, in, the, the blowjob paving slab. In one of the worst episodes of anything ever made. Yes, that was, that was pretty bad. Yeah. I don't know why I said, to be fair... Noted awful human being, Russell Hewitt. Yes, it's not like he's held up a, a, as a paragon of writing ability. So I should, I should probably point out at some point during this podcast, the reason I don't know a lot about horror is because I don't like being afraid. So I haven't really engaged mm. much with it as a genre mm. outside of some fairly obvious cultural moments. And um, is that across everything? That's across every medium. So I haven't seen that many horror films. I don't read a lot of horror yeah. because it's really fucking scary. So I'm much more susceptible to the kind of the psychological than I am the gross out. So, mm. you know, Stephen King, for all his faults and blessings, just, ah, I don't want that to be happening. Yeah, I mean, so he'll, my, he'll do gross out, but the man understands creepy. Yeah. I mean, my, my level of ambient anxiety is high enough that I don't want to be mm. more scared because the world is an inherently terrifying yeah. place. So what, what do you, if it's not... It's an obvious question, but what do you find particularly effective in that area? It's an interesting one. Um, the creeping inevitability, which we've picked up on before. So, I mean, I read the first kind of the first third of From Hell, as we talked about earlier, and actually, they haven't really got to any murdering yet. Mm. The scariest thing is Queen Victoria. She's pretty scary. Yeah, she's, she's very like the, scary. In the this. mental asylum and the medical treatment stuff is pretty bad. I can deal with that. That's kind of where I've... Oh, it's got a lot on sort of Victorian brain surgery, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. a lot of ice picks to the, I don't the like that. business. Yeah. But yeah, we haven't got there yet. So currently it's it's the fact that... The fact that whatever Queen Victoria says goes and Queen Victoria doesn't like getting fucked with and she's going to fuck you up mm. if you do anything to her or her mm. family, however innocently. Yeah. Some, you know, sorry prostitutes, you're going to get fucked up by Queen Victoria is... Quite a scary premise, somehow. Yeah. Well, sort of... Unmitigatable power. 
So yes. helplessness, which is so one of the reasons I'm really wigged the fuck out by medical stuff. Yeah, is that it plays right into helplessness. Yeah, I read that. You know those um, Sherlock Holmes things about where he's an old man keeping bees and fucks the young girl. The, the, those the, the the Sherlock Holmes spin-off novels. I haven't read those. Anyway, they're quite good fun. Uh, that good for you. Way more pedo-y than they actually are. She's she's well into her twenties. Um, he's still by like, the fourth or fifth book. He's still like eighty or something. It's 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 wrinkly pensioner sex. Mm. But um, one of them, I think it's the third one. He's like Velcro. Yeah. Is um, saggy ball sack. Oh, it's it's just like it's trying like to an old tennis ball down the knees. <laughs> it's like trying to start a fire by rubbing two hippos together. Um, so, but in in the um, in the third one, the um, heroine is. Why have you read more than two of them? They're actually really good fun. Um, is um, locked in a basement and forcibly given a shit ton of heroin. And that gave me nightmares. Yeah, well that and the bathtub, I mean, yeah. you've got previous on the heroin scares. <laughs> yeah, didn't, no. didn't enjoy that. So I mean, so yes, the the powerlessness, the helplessness mm. is, a, is a strong thing that makes people scared. I think... One of the the lights just went out in this room. That which, seems deeply appropriate. Yeah, it? it really does. Also, your laptop is underlighting your face like shit, beardy Dracula. Yeah, with a torch under his maw. Before we go to restore the lights, this this the this, the from hell stuff does play into the thing you were talking about about um, awareness, horror, and fast being very very close together. Mm-hmm. Because essentially you have the situation of a royal family that will do anything to protect its own. Um, people who are compelled to investigate crimes that may or may not be committed mm. by the royal family with the implicit understanding that they have to get results and will be fucked if they do. So I mean, that, still... I mean that's, that's a very common structural plotting trope, so... Um, insuperable, irreconcilable value systems um, crashing together with the knowledge of what's coming. We are walking is, into our own demise. Is broadly speaking Hegel's definition of tragedy. Um, it's also how. But I mean that that's there's, there's there's a hilarious way of playing that, and there's also the maverick cop that gets results way of playing yeah, that. Yeah, but, but there are a whole bunch. Sorry, where I'm going with that is there's a whole bunch of genres where. Um, both that systematically being true and the audience's ironic advantage, which kind of has the capacity to paint the characters as a massively disempowered figure that does or does not have to be a victim in front of the audience is these are reasonably common structural tropes in quite a lot of sort of if not genre of thing cultural moments Mm -hmm. so you 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 find this a lot in tragedy the clashing value systems and their ironic advantage you find it a lot in comedy it's kind of there's something about what you choose to do with it Um, I'm about to say something grossly fatuous that's just occurred to me which is like potential potential energy is a systemic difference that allows you to get work done, and I wonder if there's a rough ana- if there's a rough analogy here. There's a crashing anvil, certainly. So, the one thing that comics really has as an advantage for me, as a way of consuming horror for someone with a very delicate and nervous disposition, is they don't really do jump scares. And this is good because, I mean, I was watching an adaptation of Jane Eyre with my mother over Christmas and she was concerned there would be jump scares in it. We're we're a nervy family. Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. To be fair, a pheasant did fly out of the undergrowth at Jane Eyre. 
Right. I mean, you can make jump scares in comics, but it's harder to make them work. Well, it's difficult, and um, you have the issue that it's a, as, a, as a physical object, it's kind of up to someone how they read it. Mm. So if you have a jump scare that is, you know, on the right-hand page of two, it's not a jump scare, you can't do it. Mm. Um, and you have to assume that when someone turns that page, they're not going to see ahead. So surprising how often it works. You know, if if uh, if if page if the if the right hand page has someone being stabbed to fuck, and the left hand page, which you will see second, even though it's the first bit you're meant to read, has someone jumping out with a knife, it's already done. Mm-hmm. You, it, it's gone. This is why actually. Um, Emily Carroll uh, is really effective because her stuff is web-based and her more recent stuff has just been an infinite downward scroll. Um, and in, in that setting, the author has, if they're being smart and not just trying to hate conventional comics, which she doesn't, has a lot more control over pace and how it's consumed. Basically, the only thing she doesn't know is the size of your monitor. But you are going to at least scroll down to individual panels. Um, and she's written some really, really effective horror comics, and she's been pretty much web-based since she started five or six years ago. But she's got a book coming out this summer, which is also going to be, I think, broadly horror, so it'll be interesting to see how that translates. Um, she's very good. Good. Have you, have you read any sort of horror comics that you've liked? So I don't think I've... I haven't read that much that I would count as horror, and this goes back to our genre definition problem earlier. But I mean, so I was looking up, I was looking up horror things I could read. I had a few minutes today yeah. after work and thought I'll have a look at horror web comics, yeah. and I got a sort of list. I think it was in Kotaku or somewhere of the top five or six horror web comics, and one of them mm. was Family Man. And I was like, for the love of God, I don't consider that horror, even though it's got werewolves. It's it's doing too many other things that are interesting outside of horror and it's not scary. Yeah. I mean, so, well, I don't he has think... this problem in that it's shuffling a lot of things that would traditionally be part of a creepy story, mm-hmm. but it doesn't quite land. It's not least because it looks like that. Lock, Lock and Key is a very, very popular one at the moment. We've kind of sort of written off The Walking Dead just because it doesn't interest us. Um, Lock and Key I've read the beginning of as well, and I, like you, don't quite see the appeal. It's, it's fun. It's it's an old school haunted house mystery, mm-hmm. but it's a haunted house mystery, not a horror story. Okay. But there's, there's creepy stuff, slightly. There's gross stuff. See, that sounds good, but I think that the, the scale increases later on, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's still not explicitly horror. Also, American Vampire um, has been recommended a lot, and it's horror in the sense that Buffy is horror. Mm-hmm. There are monsters, but what, what did you check out? Anything else on the list? I can't remember what the list was. Oh, the Kentucky list that you looked up. Oh, no, nothing. I, the only other if it was Kentucky. The only other thing that looked interesting to me didn't redirect to the right thing. It's quite oh, an old article. Teats. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so, for instance, I started reading From Hell and it didn't scare me particularly, but mm. I hadn't got to the bit that's meant to be scary yet. I don't Apart remember being scared the, by it well, yeah. well, except the medical stuff, which I don't think is meant to be scary. So that's the thing. So I don't, I don't feel like I've actually read any horror comics because I don't know what horror means. Mm. And the comics I have read that people have classified as horror, I don't consider scary enough to classify as horror under my own 
weird filing system in the brain. So I, I think this answers the, the definition of does it have to be scary? Um, because sort of jumping back to the film analogy, you can have something that is explicitly horror is broadly understood to be horror, but is kind of farcical, like uh, like Reanimator or like Army of Darkness. Um, the Sam Raimi films are daft. They're still horror, but like they're, the they're daft horror. I mean, do we or do we consider can... sort of sort of older school Hammer stuff to be horror genre, even if it's not to a modern audience in, at yeah. all scary? I mean, it's, Hammer is to horror. Is carry on is to comedy. Sure. Like, every yeah. now and then, it was scary. But there are, it was shit. I'm using Hammer yeah. as a loose analog for a bunch of films yeah. in the same era. Mm. Yeah, which I, I haven't think seen, but I did watch the Mark Gattis documentary about, so I'm <laughs> qualified to comment. But Hammer, I mean, there's there's a certain there's a certain amount of sort of technical ability there because Hammer is, I mean, Hammer looks kitsch now. It's shot in Technicolor. Um, everything shot in Technicolor looks kitsch now because it's really really bright. It looks incredibly dark. The lighting's weird. Why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that the same house that I saw in that other film? They've just moved the umbrella stand. They're cheap. Um, why are the same guys and all the things? Yeah, why is it cheap. just Peter Cushing? Um, That's not this Peter Cushing, though, I mean, what a guy. Um, he, he came at you, you'd run. You would, yeah. You would. I watched quite a lot of Hammer over Christmas, and yes, it's not it's not scary, but I still love it. I like what they were doing. Um, yeah. It was a weird, slightly daft rewriting of gothic tradition that didn't really understand good storytelling a lot of the time. But I still enjoy it. It's so, where can we place a line on where horror ends? Is something with vampires mm. or a Frankenstein's monster of some description, or a mummy, and, and you know all the old and Frankenstein and Frankenstein. No, um, is that is, a thing? No, no, no. God no. Why is it not a thing? I'm enforcing terrible say, grammar. I was going to say, is that the aunt? Oh no! I thought we were making an Anne Frank joke. No. <laughs> okay, that's a lot. Oh God, no, we were not. Because that's that's terrible, but might be awesome. Yeah, no, that's what I, my mind went to. Anne Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Someone will have done that, and it will not be good. You make a really excellent point. Um, yeah, I think we might be bad people. I I think we're just going to draw rule for thirty four over that one and just yeah. leave it be. That, or I'm um, going to go home and start. I don't. I don't project. want rule thirty four on Anne Frank Frankenstein. No, well, no one does, but we're, we're just not going to talk about it any further. And Frankenstein. Oh. Frankenstein. I'm making. Oh God, why am I even talking? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Well, because we're recording a podcast, you're required to. <sighs> I but to go, to go back to the original question before everyone. we before we got horribly uh, derailed there. I don't think. So, I don't think you can say. You know, this is where. It, where it begins. Sure. I think you can look at something and know that it's horror, or there can be a broad consensus that something is horror. Sure. Um, you, you take your the Dewey Decimal System is fucking great for just ending these arguments. True. True. Um, but you know, so you, you the turn of the screw scares me. Reanimator does not. Um, but I still think they're both horror. You take your 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 fifties comics, Dracula. And you yeah. leave him in a 50s comics Transylvanian setting, and that's horror. Uh, if you take him on a zany oh, adventure through a, the streets of Hollywood... He's in a really badly written Liverpool where everyone speaks with a Cockney accent. Yeah. Um, and it's... Yeah, that stuff's too kitsch to be scary. It really is. But there's still 
craft in there, and it was some intended horror. But I, th- I think, as a I think kid, it a, scared me. I think it's interesting to go back to Mr. Hart's thing about the line between horror and farce. Somehow, Kitschy Dracula and Kitschy Transylvania is still horror. Kitschy Dracula transplanted somewhere where he's completely out of his idiom is farce. This is my beef with Halloween. You got beef? Oh, you said let's air, no, let's let's yeah. air your beef. That was me. That was all me. Oh God! I, it's it's leave it to hang for twenty one days. It's not the tired commercialism argument, you know. Fuck it. People throw parties. It's a nice excuse for a party. Better but candies. If you want to buy even deliberately awful, over the top gothic Halloween decorations, if you want to like really put some fucking effort in, all you can ever find is like drag queen Halloween. It's the, the drag sli- queen Halloween is a show I am going to pitch. I'm commissioning that right now. Yeah. It's the, the slight... The you slight. pitch it, I'll commission it. We don't have a TV station, but we'll get this shit done. We will. The, we we get RuPaul on this shit. If Channel 4 would do amazing. this next year, we know they're fucking listening. It would be amazing. I'm slapping copyright logos and everything right now. Drag Queen really Halloween. You're saying slapping cock and then going somewhere else. Well, that would be a feature of Drag Queen Halloween. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to know about the apple bombing. Just, just, no. just shove them all in a pump. The, mum, the mummy one would have no problem. There'd be no sway at all. It would just be packed tightly. It'd be well there. strapped up. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yes. So that slide over into grotesque caricature. I look. And vanilla gothic is still kind of caricature, but it feels more idiomatically internally consistent. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the more, most effective horror, and this is comics as well as any other medium, is the stuff that is furthest away from the sort of period gothic tradition. Because that stuff becomes hackneyed quite fast. And you get a lot of people who will just say, it's Dracula, but with something. It's Frankenstein, but with something. Like, I Frankenstein, mm. the film's coming out in the next few weeks. The Spanish language title is amazing. What's, what's it called? Yo, Frankenstein. <laughs> it's the comma that makes it. Oh. Yeah, it's good stuff. I love Frankenstein, I'm walking here. Exactly, yo, Frankenstein, what are you doing? But that's that, yeah, that Frankenstein, I, I heard you like, yeah. You can still do good versions of that, but I think the, the playful versions tend to be better. Mm. Like, the only good Frankenstein comics I've seen of the last decade and I don't read a lot of them I've got to say but I, the only good ones I've seen are um, Doc Frankenstein by the Wachowskis um, which was uh, basically doing um, Doc Savage Man of Science and Adventure but with Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster for the fucking pedants out there thank you I, I was unsure you yeah, needed no, the clarification Frank- oh, monster. sometimes that um, can definitely be and uh, DC Comics, uh, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, which is uh, basically, it's a clandestine organisation with monsters. Um, it's BPRD in the DC Universe, basically. But it so, sort of so spins out of Grant Morrison's Seven Soldiers of Victory. So you've just named two of the better Frankenstein comics of the last decade. To my mind. Bearing in mind that I don't read a lot. How many are there? Does they How many Frankensteins are being produced this in is this what century? I was, was going to ask something very similar. 
public domain monsters. Yeah, so I slagged off Lovecraft for spin-offs earlier. Yeah. This is that. They, the, they, they really do fill up the publishing schedules of the smaller publishers. There's, there's, still, the there's mileage well. in Frankenstein in 2014. Oh, I, yeah. I think we may have... I think we passed peak Frankenstein a long time ago and no one cared. I'm looking forward to peak Krampus. There's a Krampus comic now. Oh, I know. Issue, image Comics. It's free at the moment if you want to go to their site and download it. Peak Krampus. I love me Krampus. Krampus. Mm-hmm. Presumably it's Krampus fighting crime and his superpower is spanking. Krampus? Krampus. That's very different. To be fair, fighting Krampus banking is, is not miles away from Captain Crochet. No, and I'm not linking to Captain Crochet again. Just search this out for Captain Crochet. It's just, it's just horrible. Um, but yeah, the wider problem is something like Adam Team, where there's, there's there's nothing else really in that in that in the same space, is much more effective for being new and therefore being able to shock rather than. A Frankenstein's monster-like creature jumped out from behind a thing. It had bolts or was vaguely yeah. adaptive human. It, it really fucked like someone up. High it's, budget. It, it's really gross. You can see it. It so threw that a, child a into a river. Well, that's, <laughs> can you link to that clip for the love of God? That, that's that's canon. That shit. That shit's yeah. all over the place. Oh, I know. That's why I'm basically done with like the 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 public sphere property equivalent of superheroes. The horror tropes, the the Lovecraft stuff, except when it's deliberately tongue in cheek. I'm still mainlining the Strauss laundry books because they're done with a wink and a grin. But mainstream po faced Lovecraft stuff, There's I just a cannot bring myself to care about. Yeah, and especially I mean, anything that thinks it's interesting. This is not me. So, Witch Doctor is done with a laugh. It is. Yes, but its attempt to recontextualize the Lovecraft stuff as basically being an artifact of the immunobiology of the great old ones, whilst I will doff a tiny cap to its cleverness, is just a little tiresome. That's been done elsewhere as well. Um, But Witch Doctor isn't trying to be big and smart. Witch Doctor's trying to be fun. So, to my mind, it broadly gets passed because it does that. Um... And the ridiculous setup for Witch Doctor is that all demons, supernatural entities, can be treated with this ridiculous magical version of medicine. And, you know, he has syringes of stained glass and all of this weird sort of yeah. cartoonish... Um, that I do. I like the... Yeah. I like it's the well fact it's, it's like, what if Invader Zim was a paramedic? But it's basically someone doing weird invasive surgical procedures that he has no idea that are going to work to perform exorcisms and, and so on. And it's a shtick that could get old. I'm not tired of it yet, but it's it's it's, it's fun got, and it's... It's got the written. only shaken baby joke I don't feel bad about laughing at. Wow. And you're a really bad guy, so it must be mm. a really good joke. Mm. But yeah, it's, um, it's kind of telling that you and I certainly have read a lot of Lovecraft as prose. Yes. And we haven't really talked about any of the, the comics that draw from Lovecraft. They're Mostly all because, yeah, there is... You do it straight up. There's a paucity of imagination that you fill in with Lovecraft. Um, or zombies, or, or something similar to that. A campy Dracula. Yeah. yeah. So there's lots of stuff that does, does its own thing and does it well. Like, um, Hellblazer has its own mythology, which it does really nicely, I think. Like, I've read a lot of Hellblazer. I've never really been bored. Sandman rotates um, its mythology between being intriguing and weird and genuinely creepy, so um, in the first two volumes. And I think some of that sits in the same place. Like yeah. back when Sandman was more of a 
a thing that lived in the DC Comics universe before it quietly shuffled off and well, became Vertigo. More. Again, the first two volumes, you've got a Constantine story. It's quite creepy. It's a little unsettling. I believe that's the second story in the first volume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's issues four and five or something like that. I can't remember exactly. But then you've got 24 Hours, which is Dr. D with the ruby. Um, sitting in a diner making people do horrible things to themselves against their will and it's yeah. genuinely yes, unpleasant that's, that's actually some of the best if I'm allowed to call it horror I don't know if I am but if I'm allowed to call it horror that's some of the best horror comics I've read well it's horrifying I mean you've got you've got things like there's there's the serial killers convention and it's mm. I mean it's yeah. stuff that is it's Horrific. It hadn't actually occurred also, to me how horrifying this stuff is until you yeah. guys just framed it like it that. Is. I was like, hang on. Well, this, this is what I wanted from Lock and Key. I, yeah. like, basically, I want Neil Gaiman to come back and rewrite it because it needs to be done by someone that A, understands nested stories and self-creating mythology, and B, someone that understands that if you want to be genuinely creepy, you kind of need to find an artist. Yeah, so I wasn't, I wasn't hugely keen. I would have thought, I think something much more stylized would work far better. Joe Hill has written some genuinely effective horror, and he's done some slightly more interesting and, and tongue-in-cheek stuff. I enjoyed it. Um, it's it's a romp. I mean, I know this isn't genetic, but he is Stephen King's son. He should be able to... Uh, well, he's got help. Um, if you, well, we don't know that. No. Um, but he, he has written horror that I've enjoyed, but just lock and key... This is one of the troubles of comics. So I can sit, I can buy one of his his prose books, and I can sit and read it from start to finish and make up my mind. With a comic, it's got to grab me early on, particularly if I'm buying it when it's still undergoing publication. Otherwise, I'm just mm. going to fucking stop because I'm buying it in distinct chunks. I'm definitely going to get the second volume, but it's because I want to know what happens and I enjoy the premise, not because I'm I'm not madly enthralled and it's not freaking me out in a compelling way. It sounds like a thing that I would actually be interested in reading even though you've given it a fairly lukewarm review and I don't know what that says about me. It's, it is a, it's, it's a well-done example of the Mad Haunted House thing. There well, are some so that's, charming, that's what I'm attracted to. There I mean, are some charming notes to it. Um, so the current chapter of Gunner Creek Court is yeah. doing a sort of oh, that's, ghost that's tunnel fun. thing that's, in a really fun, like deli- visually It's really deliberately fun. goofy. I love the 2D, 3D play there. Yeah. And there was some of that early on. Hmm. as well in the comic it's kind of coming yeah. back to its own thing which is nice also I don't know maybe maybe it's deliberately stylized, but the fact that no one in lock and key has a functional jawline is just really getting on my nerves maybe they're just you know cousins Born and always cousins. have been yeah. you know cousins so before we wrap up one thing that Lucy you mentioned this while we were prepping was um Anya's ghost. Yes. Which, yeah, initially just completely bypassed me as, as something that would be horror because it's kind of a, it's ostensibly it's a young adult. It's it's, a, it's it deals with issues of being a second generation immigrant. It's got teen problems at school. It's got yeah. secret smoking and stuff like that. In many ways, it looks like your fairly standard young adult premise. It just happens to have a completely creepy vein through it. I mean, I so I've read it twice now. The second time I was less affected by it because I think I read it... I was less engaged while I was reading it and I already knew what happened. But Sorry, the first a little time, bit of background? It's, um, it's a young adult comic about a second-generation immigrant girl whose sort of Russian mother spends all her money... Russian single mother spends all her money sending her to this fancy school. Mm. 
And there's another kid at the school who's also a second generation Russian immigrant who doesn't speak English as well and is a huge, gigantic nerd. And she doesn't want to be associated with him. She wants to be American. So, you know, she hangs out with the bad kid and she smokes and she loses every trace of her accent and she doesn't do well at school on purpose kind of thing. She, um, whilst I think furtively smoking in the woods, falls in a hole, which turns out to be full of bones. Um, she is rescued from the hole, but there's there was a ghost in the hole, and the ghost follows her with because Ooh, part yes. of its bone yeah. gets lodged in her stuff, and basically the ghost starts starts off being her friend, you know, helps her no, cheat I, in tests I, yeah, and stuff, and yeah. then ultimately tries to rip her life apart whilst turning out to be. I'm not going to spoil this, which is actually yeah. it's a good book, not but, wildly dissimilar to some of the plot of Lock and Key, but it's so Lock, so Anya's ghost would work broadly similarly if it was just an obsessive friend and it sort of is about that kind of obsessive friend who's kind of poisonous yeah um, the, the one who wants to be you yeah I don't yeah. think I don't Which I never had because I was a gigantic nerd likewise I, d- I don't think the pyro would be any less if it was a person but it is very effective and, the, and some of the kind of some of the plot some of the kind of exposition towards the end of the plot about the origins of the ghost is the creepiness is done really well there. Mm. There are bits there that make it better to be a ghost than a friend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the first time I read it, I, I read it at night on my own. I was genuinely unsettled. Like, like I don't want to keep looking at this thing because it is scaring me unsettled, mm. which is the closest I've yeah. come to being sort of properly terrified by a comic. So I, I had that massively with... Um, I had a bit, a bit with Bismarck yesterday, but... Um, not a comic, but in a similar vein. If you really do want to be freaked out by something and not understand no. why, watch um, Serial Experiments Lane, which is an anime series um, about a young girl in a sort of desolate, nowhere, suburban town. It's an early days of the internet thing, so it's got some mad ideas about what computers can do. But it, oh, it, it's fucking creepy. The, the kind of, it, it makes the ambient technologization of the world feel oppressive and like it's out to get you but without ever really trying to have to do so just just a passing shot of some power lines out of a train win- out of a train window can make you feel genuinely that the world is about to end it's 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 very good at unnerving people mm. so kind of on the um on, on the in the same sort of uh areas onion's ghosts um three shadows um, which i haven't which read is, to keep meaning to um, by Cyril Pedroza, which is also published by First Second, is is another one of those things that sort of abuts horror, but probably isn't when viewed objectively. Abuts horror. Abuts. Um, been to that website. So basically, it starts with a, a sort of rural couple being told that their child has been marked for death, and there are three horsemen who are going to come and take their child in the night, and it's basically, there's nothing they can do to escape this. The only thing they can do is keep outrunning the three people on horseback. And so it's about the father running off from home and trying to keep their child safe when their child is, they've been told, is inevitably going to die. Mm. Um, and that's something that almost takes the opposite journey of, of starting from a place of horror and turning into something else. Like In a similar way to quite a lot of... Um, effective horror films and I'm probably uh, going to name two Guillermo del Toro ones here but um, 
Pan's Labyrinth and mm -hmm. um, The Devil's Backbone both start in a much more horrifying place than they end up. And in, in Pan's Labyrinth, it's more that the the human horror fades and, and the sort of fantasy horror drifts mm -hmm. in. But they both start out with a, with just generally nasty, raw tension and, and move away from that as they go on. The Orphanage has that same raw tension in it as well. That's one of the few horror films I've actually seen. And it's good. There's a creepy little fucker who's got a head made out of like a hessian sack because he's so horribly deformed. He might be a ghost. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I did that for a Halloween costume once. No one liked it. No, it's creepy as fuck. That was not pleasant. No. I didn't enjoy it. No. Did he cut like big gaping eye holes? Yeah. Yeah, that's not it's, good. It's much better. Big gaping he... mouth holes or did nothing no, there? Uh, cut it open and then stitched it up again. Yeah, he, he did. did. How did you drink? Under? Oh, fair. Took it off. It's much better when you dress up as some kind of Day of the Dead ponce. Yeah. That was a good one. I wore a bathrobe to that party. I enjoyed that. You had a lot of makeup on. I did. It was nice. So I think we've learned a lot today. Maybe. I think we've established that horror is whatever you think it is. Uh, and it doesn't have to be frightening. But often it is, and sometimes there's a weird lady with scissors. That's some pretty good good learning for a single day. I think we've I think. done some brain learnings. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We did every, every, day, every day is a true school day. So, uh, before we go, what's the most effective scary comic? Roger. Um, you're probably going to say Adam Teen, so I'm going to let you. Um, it might be because it's just recent in mind, but um, so far probably Uzumaki, although well, a lot of the Japanese stuff I've looked through just really nails that unsettlement. Lucy? For me, it's Anya's Ghost, because that's the only comic that's ever scared me. So I'm going to go I with think that. that's a fairly it, good way of measuring it. Yeah, it was, it was the scary one, so I'm going to say that that's the one that was good at horror. I'm going to say Adam Team for the same reason. Scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah. Um, so even though we've come to the conclusion that horror need not necessarily be scary, the horror we've rated ourselves has been scary. Maybe there's something in that, maybe there's not, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I think there's horror designed to scare and there's horror designed to entertain. And... Confuse and delight. Yes. Yes, and arouse. Actually, no, there probably is quite a lot designed to arouse. Um, but on the, on the pure scary end, you have stuff like Adam Teen. There's Witch Doctor, which I enjoy, but it's daft as fuck. Yeah, I mean, I lost my virginity when someone said, do you want to come back and watch zombie strippers at mine? So, yeah, there is the, the arousal thing's a thing. That's... That's a terrible film, isn't it? I didn't... We didn't watch it. Okay. Because of the aforementioned losing of the aforementioned virginity. Oh, it's probably better that, you know, you didn't get halfway through. But, I mean, you still remembered that that film was involved and yeah. presumably always will. Yeah. So... Wow. It's okay. It didn't ruin a beautiful moment. <laughs> I, just, I just cooked a bad lasagna. Mm. And you can't remember. I, guess, I, I don't think... I don't have a defining moment like your lasagna or your um, or your terrible film with Jenna Jameson in it. Like Jenna Jameson, not porn. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Thanks. Yeah, I was worried we weren't going to have enough dicks and porn, but I think we've hit our quota, so we can. I think we can leave it there for the day. Say goodbye, people.
Good people.